Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Church Unlimited. If you wouldn't mind, could you all please stand across campuses? Come on, Kaitai, right through to Rotorua. I want you to stand because I've got a message on my heart this morning that you're going to really have to tune into to stay attentive because the enemy's going to do everything to distract you this morning. So I want you to just, if you know the language of the Spirit, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, we're Pentecostal full on. Why don't you pray for the next 30 seconds, and as you do, ask God that He would speak specifically to you and help you to focus in and receive something from Him this morning. Spirit of God, Rabus my God. Skureba stutitiramai. Rabush Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning across our campuses. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would invade this service. You would invade every campus. And you would speak a word in season, Lord, that's going to prepare us, it's going to equip us, it's going to make us ready for this next season of exponential growth and unusual fruitfulness. Lord, as a second wind would come, Father, help us to hoist the sail. We thank you that this place across campuses will be too small. And so, Father, we thank you. Anoint your servant, anoint our ears and our hearts to receive from you this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone on every campus said, Amen. Okay, you may be seated. We do want to welcome in every campus this morning, right up from Church Unlimited in Kaitaia, Whangarei, our city, and also Rotorua. I read this testimony from a young man, probably in his late 20s. He said, and he said it when he was 21, he said, I was in one of the darkest seasons of my life. He said, I was a mess. I was drinking heavily, sleeping till noon, missing work, suffering heavy depression and anxiety. I felt so alone. I also felt this fear. I don't know why. It just lingered. My girlfriend broke up with me, was fired from my job. I sat in my condo and I cried. And why did I have this fear? I checked all the closets to make sure nobody was in them. He says, don't laugh, I know some of you have done the same. I even prayed a shotgun prayer before I fell asleep. I woke at 3 a.m. I never felt so scared in all my life. I started praying, God, make this stop. I'm so sorry. Isn't that amazing how we pray that when things go wrong, eh? I promise I'll behave. Whatever is in here, make it leave. I knew nothing was in my room. My windows open, the curtains were flapping more than normal. I was freaking out. I needed to be rescued, I needed my dad. I rang to the kitchen to call him. It was midnight where he was staying. And as I reached for the phone to dial his number, my phone began to ring. 
and ring and ring. I never felt so scared. Was I going to pick up the phone and hear the voice of Skeleta? Everything froze. I slowly picked up the phone. Carlos, it's dad. It's okay. I love you. I was woken up to pray for you. It's time to come home, son. As I grew up, I would seldom go a day without seeing my father on his knees praying. Did you hear that, fathers? My dad prayed for me on the phone. I packed up and went home. I told my neighbors, I'm going to be with my dad because whatever he has, I want it. I needed to pay attention to what I, what I had been ignoring for so long. Now I believed. I guess believed again. Then he goes on to say that the greatest trick the devil plays on us is to make us think that he doesn't really attack us. And we know all about him, but it's not really the devil. It's all this other stuff. When we sit in denial of spiritual warfare, we are denying the enemy exists. So let's come and prove the point of spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. A familiar passage of scripture to all of us, but we need reminding today. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your battle's not against natural things. It's not against your, your husband, your wife, your parents, your kids, your boss. It, no, it's not, friends, it's not in that realm. We so often do think that, but it's not, according to Scripture. It says uh, there, but, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly Places, whether you want to know it or not, whether you like it or not, your battle is against the powers of darkness. When you forget that, guess what? You're going to lose. You're going to lose in your battle because it is so important to understand it. However, the good news is that there are more for us than there are against us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we do not need to fear, but we do need to understand 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So what battles are you facing today? What battle? If you only got one, you are blessed beyond measure. What battles are you facing today? I want you to understand, you cannot fight them with natural weapons. It is a spiritual battle in most cases, especially if it goes on and on and persists. You can know that the enemy is hard at work. The arm of the flesh will not defeat his attacks. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Here's my question. How are you fighting the battle that you are confronting today? What weapons are you using? Are they natural weapons, the arm of the flesh? It's not going to do the job. The problems will persist and persist and persist because you can't drive out spiritual forces with natural weapons. You've got to have spiritual weapons to come against what the enemy may be throwing at you, is throwing at you today. All campuses from Kaitaia to Whangarei, right down to the city in Rotorua, understand this. 
And listen to this, please. The enemy has ramped up his attack right now because Church Unlimited is expanding rapidly across the nation and into the nations. When you understand that, we've been given amazing prophetic words that we are enjoying. In fact, it's like as a church we're under an open heaven of God's voice. It is remarkable. If you are staying tuned to what God is saying, His voice is coming again and again and again. And the wonder of that is it's God's now word to you. It's His now word to the church. As you pick up, example, leave me astounded. If you've grabbed that with everything you've got and you're praying into it, you'll be seeing it happen. If you don't hear it and you don't pray into it, then you won't see it happen. You'll think, well, what was that about? So it's, it's incredible as a church, the, the now word of God is just, an, it's one of the most wonderful things uh, because in the promises of God are the power to perform it. So when there's a promise, so everyone listen to this and be astounded. Danny, Danny Guglamucci came in May, had a prophetic declaration he made over Church Unlimited. He said, you're about to hit another wave of momentum. All the years have been preparing for this. Then he spoke from 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, this place is too small in May. Let's fast track through to November. November the 5th, Saji from India gave this prophetic word, 2 Kings 6, verse 1. There it is a second time. He said, this place is too small. He said, they'll be lining up to get in to the building. Applies to every campus. Bruce Hills comes along a few weeks later, November the 26th, gave the prophetic word, Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent. He said, this building will not be able to contain what God is about to do. The car park will be too small. God is about to make you exceptionally fruitful. Don't stop there. November the 29th, a week later. Pastor friend of me, mine calls me up. He says, I've got a prophetic word for you. Before I tell you what you need to understand, I pray on my knees three to four hours a day. Did you hear that? Three to four hours. He said, what I'm about to tell you is not from me. This is from God himself. And he said this, your building will be too small. And then he gave me Isaiah 54 verses two and three. I've been here nearly 30 years, friends. And uh, never before in our history have we had the same word come four times, let alone three times in one month. Leave me astounded. Leave me amazed. All campuses, Church Unlimited, Kaitaia, Whangarei, City, West, Rotorua at Sydney and Tuvalu, look around your building right now. Look around right now. I hope everyone's looking around. You're looking around? Tell yourself, this building is too small. All right, campuses, as you got it, grab it, run with it, and see it come to pass. But see, the challenge is this, everybody, is actually hearing the word. That's easy. Then believing it, that's not too hard. Praying into it. Hello. Persistently declaring it. Whatever your words are, that's how you Receive it. Then some people say, oh, well, that prophecy never came to pass. No, no, the prophecies don't fail. We may fail, but the prophecies don't fail. In the prophecy is the power to perform it. We just have to believe it, declare it, and run with it. We're seeing God do incredible things with growth, with more campuses, and there's more coming, believe me. 
New Zealand doubling twice. That is extraordinary. 750, 1500, 3000. We're believing 6000 for next year. You know, we've seen uh, Pakistan and beyond grow, United Kingdom and beyond. But with new levels, there are new devils. Expansion must be matched with increased prayer. And you're in church unlimited. Sorry. <laughs> so these prophecies are for you. And therefore, there's new devils you have to confront as well and understand how to battle against them. Two verses that God has spoken strongly to me for probably 10 to 15 years. I'm not sure I've shared it in this light, but they're like my signature verses, even more than Isaiah 54. These are the verses that have burned in my heart for over a decade. They're the signature verses, I believe, for Church Unlimited and what the destiny, campuses, I hope you're listening, what the destiny of Church Unlimited Global is all about. I read these verses over and over and over and over. I can't tell you how many hundreds, if not thousands of times I've read these verses. Because I know in the promises are the power to perform, but I've got my part to play. Here's the first one, Joshua 1 verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land, New Zealand. I swore to their forefather ancestors to give them. That was the first one. Then the second one is Psalm 37 verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt you to inherit the land. Friends, we're in a battle to turn New Zealand back to Jesus. Now listen, God has called you, not the person beside you or on another campus or the person in front of you. God has called you as an NGO, as a part of Church Unlimited, to help turn this nation back to Jesus. It's a massive calling God has placed personally on your life. And that's why he's brought you into Church Unlimited, because he knows that you carry what it takes to turn a nation back to Jesus. Because I can't do this myself. One campus can't do it. But together, we can get this done. Just in the last two weeks, I've heard of four attacks on people in Church Unlimited. One Damage their foot, and the nerves are excruciating, is unable to stand on a leg. I saw the leg swollen up, pray, and I thought, man, this is bizarre. Then there was another person, all within a couple of weeks, and they, they, they went numb down one side of their body. Hopefully, you know, we're believing God that it's going to come fully right. That was the second one that I, I heard of. And then there was another one. The third one I heard was a person was attacked by a dog, a freak accident, and severely wounded. person in our church. If that wasn't enough, that was the third one. Then a fourth one, another person, uh, their hand went through a window, and they ended up with 12 stitches on their arm. I've been here 30 years, nearly. I've not heard of four attacks like that. They all happened within a period of one week. How many know the battle is real, friends? Yeah. We've got, we've got to understand this. We're not locked up in a cotton ball, cotton wool, and that just protected from everything that's happening. You know, as many of you know, the last two years of my life have probably been the most brutal that I have faced. I've got to the point many times where I've said, God, I cannot, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can keep doing this. This is, this is just too hard. 
When you go after a nation, <laughs> sometimes I think the devil says, come on, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Hello? You with me, campuses? You understand what we're talking about? This is not a game we're playing. <laughs> the guns are loaded and the bullets are real. But we have the armor of God. If we put it on. So, we all need to ramp up our praying. Every one of us, as individuals, you know, not just as a church, as an individual, we all need to ramp up our praying because you are a target. It's not good news, is it? But it's just the truth. All right, so those people who all got attacked, I guess they, they would never, never have thought it was going to be them, but it was. Satan, the word means adversary. Interesting, eh? So he is your constant adversary to make your life miserable. That's his goal. So he'll attack you. Attack you basically where you're a bit weak. <laughs> may attack your marriage. May attack your insecurity. He may attack your finances. He may attack your, your kids. He may, may attack your job. He may attack your relationships. Uh, he doesn't care. He plays by no rules. He'll go for the Achilles heel, but he will attack because he is your constant adversary to make you miserable. He's like a python. His goal is to drain the life out of you and to harass you until you are exhausted. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Huh? That's what he, he just wants to wear you down. So often he won't give you one big hit. He just hit you day after day after day after day until you are thinking, oh man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. That's what's happened to me. He's just harassed me and harassed me over and over again. Not big, not massive things. But one thing after, it just keeps going. Eventually, you just get, whew, you run out of breath. And then you become very, very vulnerable. Do you know we're called to be always overcoming something? Think about that. Right now, you've been called to overcome something because that's how you grow. That's how you develop strength. We shouldn't be looking for the easy <laughs> Because it's not easy. <laughs> Don't go looking for that. It's not to be found. See, every fight you win equips you, trains you to fight and win greater battles. That's what's happening. It's training you to win a battle. Reach Kaitaia, maybe. Whangarei. Right wherever it might be. A little, we fight those battles, win those battles. Then we go after the bigger thing. Go after a city. You know, go after a nation. See, God is preparing us and every campus and you for greater victories. Which explains the battles you're facing today. Because you don't fight the battle you've got today and win that. It's harder to win the next one. And there are bigger battles to be won. Are we right? There are bigger battles to be won, and God wants us to win. So preparation is vital. David was prepared by God to take down Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of a lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, Bible and history teach us one thing very, very clearly, 
that battles are won before the army takes the field. The battle is won beforehand. See, the critical moment for any army is not the day it engages in battle. It's a day before, it's a month before, it's a year before in preparation and in training. So think of a sports game. Think of the All Blacks, any, any sports, whoever your favorite sports team is. See, victory is won well before the team gets on the field. Is that right? It's won in the training. See, it's won in the preparation. It's won in the discipline. The rule is prepare or fail. God's preparing you. He's preparing me. We've got to allow ourselves to be prepared because there are greater battles ahead for us. And God is training us. He's equipping us. He's getting us ready. Don't be surprised at the battle you are in. I mustn't be surprised. It's almost like if I, you know, if I can't handle this battle I'm in right now, how am I going to take greater ground? How am I going to win greater battles in the future? So God's preparing. God is training us, training you. See, it took uh, Moses, it didn't take him long to lead the children of Israel out through the Red Sea into freedom. We love reading that story, don't we? Raise the rod, water's part in the march they go through. Didn't take long to win that victory. But guess what? Getting him ready for this moment to defeat the enemy took years of preparation, training, and discipline. 40 years in the wilderness getting him ready for the battle. Preparation precedes getting on the field to win the victory. If we're prepared, we're going to be okay. But if we're ill-prepared for the battle, we are going to lose. So right now, God is training us. God is getting us ready. It took David only a moment to dispose of Goliath. Whoo, swing those. Wait, go. One stone. Goliath is down. But God... Took years getting him ready for the moment with Goliath. He killed a lion first. He killed a bear. Took those out. Then God took him to a higher level to take out Goliath. There are greater battles to be won. We don't have to fear, but we do have to get ourselves prepared. See, God works in our lives today. So we're ready to meet trials tomorrow. Exodus 23, 30 is very interesting. It says this, little by little, I'll drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. See, God gives you little battles. Little by little, you win a battle. So you keep increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Then you can take on larger and larger battles until you're increased enough, Church Unlimited, to take New Zealand. That's what God is doing. Training us in battle. So let's look at it from the early church, because that was an expanding church, rapidly growing church. And the enemy attacked on three fronts to destroy the infant church before it turned the world upside down. Of course, he failed, but his tactics are still the same. You'll be facing all of these probably in one way or another. First one is persecution and opposition. See this in the early church. The aim of the enemy was to destroy the infant church, still finding its feet. He wanted to destroy it before the seed bore fruit. 
The infant church, he tried to destroy it. Listen, we need to pray earnestly for new campuses. Any campus that's new, we've got to pray earnestly for. Why? Because the enemy wants to destroy the seed before it bears fruit. So he'll throw all hell at it to try and stop the thing. If we start a new campus, we've got to do the same. We've got to put a lot of energy into it. Campuses that are established, you know, they've got more strength to, to withstand. We've got to pray earnestly for new Christians. Every new person that gets saved, they need a lot of prayer because the enemy wants to, to, to abort the seed before it bears fruit. So anything that's new, an infant, needs additional prayer. I remember when I got saved, I remember being bitterly mocked by a person that was close to me, and they made my life hell on earth. I'd become a Christian. The enemy was, he thought, boy, if this guy gets going, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, let me remind you, devil, I have got going, and you are in trouble. But he wanted to abort the seed. See, we underestimate the, the seed that's within each one of us. The enemy has just only one goal. One thing, he's got to destroy the seed before it bears the fruit it was destined to bear. Why is our nation full of tens of thousands of backslidden Christians? Yeah, I'm telling you right now, the enemy had to abort the seed before it bear fruit. I can think of people going through my head right now, rotating through my and I think, man, I was talking just last week to a friend of mine of these people that had incredible callings and destinies and Mission, all the rest of it, it's just not happening. Opposition and persecution destroy the seeds of greatness before they bear the fruit that they are destined to bear. Then there's moral corruption was his second attack. See, if the enemy can't defeat us with opposition, then he attacks our character, brings temptation on our way, so we compromise with our honesty, with social welfare and tax payments and all that sort of stuff. Any area, you know, when, when someone undercharges us and we don't sort it out, all that kind of stuff. He attacks us in those areas. He attacks us with, in finances, with sexual purity. He attacks us in the area of pornography. In Acts chapter 5, we see this immoral attack with Ananias and Sapphira. Did you know both of them dropped dead? Do you know Why? Dishonest with finances. Don't go there, folks. <laughs> God owns all the donuts. <laughs> Got to be careful with finances, eh? Really careful. It's a serious era, more serious than most of us realize. It's one of the few places where God says, hey, I'll if you do this right, I'll open the windows of heaven over your life. One of the few things. The third attack is the most subtle and the most clever, and that is distraction. Distraction. See, in Acts chapter 6, the goal was to preoccupy the apostles with administration, which was not their calling, so they would neglect prayer and the word. So it was a very subtle ploy because, hey, looking after people, there's nothing wrong with it. It's good. In fact, you need to do it. Being involved, it's so important, but it was not their primary calling. They were called to, as apostles to prayer and the word, not running around with all the practical details of different things. So they were smart enough. They saw the enemy's attack to distract them. See, the subtlety of distraction is that it's not wrong. What you're doing is not wrong. It's just the wrong thing. 
<laughs> it's not the thing you're meant to be doing. You're, you're sidetracked away from the primary calling or, or plan of God that he may have for a person's life. So they appointed seven men full of the Holy Spirit to t- take care of administrative things so they weren't distracted from their primary call. You know, distraction is one of the things the enemy will throw at all of us. You know, when other things take place of the passionate pursuit of God and his call on our lives, other things replace our serving God. We just take it easy. We take a back seat. We're just on that lazy boy, whatever it might be. It may be a sport. It may be a hobby. It could be, it could be relationships. Anything that distracts us from pursuing passionately the call of God till our last breath. Come on, to our last breath, church. To our last breath. In Church Unlimited, you never retire. You refire again and again and again. You pull that trigger because you're gonna, you can score a home run on your last lap. Come on. We go right to the end. We never slow down by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> As we seek, you know, if Satan opposes the new convert, he opposes still more bitterly the Christian who is pressing on in God. You see, a spiritual life is not a life of peace and quiet. If we want to escape some of the struggle, well, maybe we just draw back and have a lukewarm, low-key life. Probably devil won't bother us as much. He'll still bother us, but maybe not quite as much as a person who's fully fired up to serve God. Satan will not bother as much with a person who's quit fighting, who's casual in their serving of God, casual in growing in Christ. But the more we press into all God has for us, the more we will face the attack of the enemy. So as I wrap this up, how are we going to win the battle? How are you going to win your battle? Let me give you four simple points. They're not rocket science. They're more things you need to do. Number one, realize Satan has, is disarmed and humiliated. He's defeated. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. We don't have to defeat the enemy. Jesus has already done that. But we have to use our God-given authority to enforce that victory. Luke 10, 19, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy that nothing may by any means hurt you. You need to grab that verse and use it probably on a daily basis. It's such an important verse. God has given you authority over all the works of the enemy. But you've got to develop that muscle. That muscle may not be strong. Just, just start using it. Start using it. Start using it. It will grow. That muscle will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until you know you have authority over the works of the enemy. But you've got to start somewhere and start developing that muscle. Let it grow. Let it increase. Number two, see yourself as more than a conqueror. Do you see yourself as a champion? Do you always expect to win? Or do you expect to lose? In your current battle, how do you see the future? Well, I'll grin and bear it. I'll get through this. I'll make it. Is that your attitude? No, no. You are more than a conqueror. Take your authority. Beat the devil up. Crush him under your feet. Get him out of your life. You know why? We put up with way too much. We let the devil mess with us way more than we should ever let him mess with us. We have the authority to deal with this stuff. <clears throat> Romans eight thirty seven. all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Greek for more than conquerors is hupanikos, which means first class victor. Overwhelming conqueror, 
unequaled champion. Tell the person next to you, you are an unequaled champion. Are you? Are you? Are you really? Any unequaled champions in Kaitaia? Whangarei? Hey, Rotorua? Any? Or are they all at West? That should stir you up. Number three, stay connected to God's people. The banana off the bunch gets peeled. It's true. Do you know how they capture animals? They look for the one that strayed from the herd. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Get to church every week. Get to church every week. You could almost make a song out of that, eh? Get to church every week. Get to church every week. Get to church. Come on, songwriters. Someone give us a song on that one, eh? Or it could have been one of those ones. What's the ones that you just talk? What do you, what do you, rap, a rap? Yeah, get to, get to church every week. Woo, woo. Oh, Jesus, help him. <laughs> Get to church. I like that, anyway. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, though. It may sound funny. That's cost a lot of people their faith. En masse. You know, 20, 30 years ago, people would be in church morning and night every Sunday. Every Sunday. Now it's, then it become every morning. Now it's every second morning. That's every third morning. Don't go there, folks. Please. Please don't go there. Not for my sake, but for your own sake. Because a banana off the bunch does get peeled. There's too many peeled bananas in our nation. (laughs) I heard of this Christian that lost their way. And things got got really, really bad. You see, they started losing their faith. What happened is they got isolated from Christians. They stopped getting to church. And the devil got in. And things got really, really, really bad. And so what normally happens because the way of the transgressor is hard. Finally, they've got back on track again. Finally, declare God's word and God's promises. Deuteronomy 28, 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord. Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us will prosper. There's a tract known as 18 inches from God. And they say most Christians are 18 inches from God. Meaning that they've got the word of God in their minds, but not into the heart and spirit where faith is released to defeat the enemy. You've got to get the word from your mind to your spirit by meditation. Reading your Bible faithfully, diligently, day after day after day after day. And when you do that, you're going to have the faith to do it. And the last point is increase in prayer. Pray daily for protection because the further you go in God, the more you need to pray. These are momentous days for Church Unlimited, unlike campuses, anything in the past. This is your time. Every one of you, every campus, this is your time. Don't be fooled by the devil. Don't let him lie to you. This is your time. We walk by faith, not by sight. I don't care what it looks like. This is your time. Every one of us as individuals, this is your time. This is my time. This is Church Unlimited's time. Unlike, as I said, anything in the past, we're stepping into greater blessing than ever before, but we are in a spiritual battle. The, the enemy is throwing his weight around. But the good news is 
The enemy has been defeated. We are more than conquerors. As we stay connected to God, declare His promises of His Word, as we increase in prayer, we will win greater and greater battles until we turn this nation back to God. We will get the job done. I will now hand over.